In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. At long last, the 2020 regular season is finished, so we're going to look towards the future here on In the Lab. Drew Doherty with my good pal John Harris. You know, this week we're going to, you'll see on the different properties, TV, radio, the website, you'll see a few looks back or look backs at uh, what happened in 2020, but I don't think it's going to last much longer than the next week or two. I think we're all focused on what's to come because... Why do you want to look back much at season, John? <laughs> yeah. No. No. I do not want to look back at 2020 at all. Yeah. So to that end, here on In the Lab, since uh, the managing producers and the managing editors and the executive producers are you and me, we're going, we're going forward-looking. And we're going to talk about two players from each of us that we're very, very excited about for the future. Two Texans that really have us... Like, all right, this guy is uh, somebody we can build around, somebody we can do things with, somebody that makes us excited. And obviously, we're not going with Deshaun Watson because he's otherworldly. He just won the 2020 passing crown, and he's only going to get better, which is pretty scary, I think, and and one thing that's going to help the rest of these guys that we're going to mention. But I'm going to go first. Okay. I'm going to go with Kiki QT. I was excited about him when the Texans drafted him out, out of Texas Tech. You know, I have a lot of friends back in Lubbock because I used to work there. They raved about Kiki both on and off the field. Loved him as a person. Loved him as a player. You saw what he did there, and you've seen glimpses of what he can do in the pros. And he was productive when he got called upon and when he got his chances at the end of the season, he was productive. He made plays. He's roasted his divisional opponents if you look at his stats. I mean, especially the Colts, but he had a really good game. Uh, quietly on Sunday yep. because we saw what Cooks did and he got the lion's share of the attention, but Kiki had a pretty big afternoon as well. So I'm really pumped about Kiki, John, and I don't care what offense is going to be run. I think he's going to be a big part of it because I don't see somebody coming in and running the wishbone. So I think and I think Kiki could probably flourish if, uh, if given the opportunity in the wishbone, but I'm pumped about QT, John. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point in all this, Drew, and that is you don't know – what the coach and scheme is going to be. Yes. So you try, in some sense, think about the people and the players that can fit any scheme. And the name I'm going to bring up started one time this year. That's it. And is a rookie. Well, was a rookie. And I think when I, I went back and I watched the Titans game and I kept seeing him, I'm like, man, he's – in this mix. And you think defensively and you're like, wait a second, who, no one defensively. Like, well, you kind of look between lines and you watch John Grenard, you see something, you see something with that guy and you see him play the run. You see how physically, you know, when he hits somebody, when he's making a tackle, those guys don't go forward. They don't drag him for yards. Look, there's a, uh, a consistent level that's needed to play the position. But I watched him against the Titans, just like he did at Florida, just like he did at Louisville, put his hand down and rush, put his hand down and play the run, stand up and rush, stand up and play and pass coverage. I saw him do all those things against the Titans. We've got something in John Grenard. To me, there's no doubt. And again, it goes back to that point you just made, Drew, of 
four three three four nickel three three five stack whatever defense you're going to run you've got to have guys that fit everything and to me Grenard really showed that he can do that now at the beginning of the year I thought he was going to play a lot more but then he got hurt and that set him back probably the first two three weeks and then you're not practicing in full you got zoom meetings and really didn't click for him until the end of the year. But I started really seeing, you know, he got that his first sack against the Patriots. I think his only sack. But his confidence sort of built from there. And his play sort of responded. He realized, hey, I got to play with that sort of violent mentality every single play. I can't just pick and choose my spots. And in watching the Titans game, you know, look, every defensive player made mistakes. I mean, sure, 150 yards rushing. But, man, when I'm watching from number 52, I see somebody that's going to be – a factor with this team for for a while, no matter what scheme they're running. So my first one is John Grenard. It's a good point you bring up because, yes, Texans did give up 41 points, so nobody's going to get a gold star on defense. Yeah. But you look at the stat sheet, and it is the stat sheet, and he did make some tackles downfield that were uh, the result of some, some busted tackles from other guys up front. And he, he was in coverage a couple times, but he had nine tackles. He was third on the team in tackles that day. You like that when you see somebody in your front seven with a lot of tackles, you know, yep. you'd, you'd rather that guy than a corner or safety, which AJ Moore had to make a bunch of tackles. Thank God he was there to make them, but yeah, it's not bad. He had nine tackles. He had a quarterback hit. He had a tackle for loss. He actually did some things and you just wish he could have had that chance and, 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 you know, made the most of some of those opportunities that came his yep. way a little bit earlier in the season. And that was like you said, it, he was behind the eight ball starting things out that's a good building block I like your yep. your Grenard building block that's that's really something to watch and something to count on I'm still pumped and I still want to see a little bit more from Chad Hansen too all right I like it I like it I'm gonna go with the QT Hansen duo because I like it we heard about them and also Kahale wearing because Kahale was uh was was Hansen's roommate we heard about them basically following Deshaun Watson along in the offseason at these, these throwing sessions where he was throwing over his receivers. And QT and Hanson helped build up some of that chemistry. And we saw it come to the fore in December and in late November. I liked what I saw from Hanson. He's got a little bit of a nasty streak, too. If you really – if you lock down on him and watch him and yeah. ISO him in a game, he doesn't back down. He doesn't play like – he doesn't play like a guy who's been on the practice squad for a few years and who's been, um, you know – kind of push down the depth chart. He plays with some gusto. He plays with some confidence, and that's cool to see. And you saw why he played with that content, con, uh, confidence because he can make plays. He's a solid player and can do things with the ball. He can do things in the air. He's, he's a good route runner. He's fast. He's physical. I'm a Hanson fan. I think you've got guys in QT and Hanson that are going to be good supplementary receivers for the Cookses of the world. And if he comes back, Will Fuller, but I like what you got there down the depth chart in those two. All right, you went offense for your two and, and, yep. and receiver court for your two, and, and you can and go receiver, so, or you can go offense. Oh yeah, receivers. I know it, it's uh, you know it's our podcast. We can we can do with it. We didn't make it. You just two people, but I just decided. You know what? You're going offense. I'm going to go defense. I like it, and I know uh, again. I feel like every time you mention the defense, you preface it with okay, yeah. And he is getting paid and going to be get, getting paid a lot of money. And he did not have a great start to the season. But Zach Cunningham, 
I think started playing the way that we expected him to play. I want to say this and make sure I say this clearly because I think some people will go, well, Zach led – there are two factions. Number one, the one that says Zach led the league in tackles. That has nothing to do with why I'm saying this. Nothing. Nothing. Um, I think leading, in the, leading the league in tackles is a, kind of a false stat, to be honest with you. I like to know impact tackles and things like that, and I'd have to do some studying to see exactly. When I say impact tackles, how many for zero yards, how many for you know, TFLs, all that kind of stuff. Right. That has nothing to do with it. Then there's the, the other side of things that are like, well, the Texans were one of the worst run defenses in the league, so Zach can't be that good, right? And I will admit, the first four or five, when we played Tennessee, for six weeks of the year, I felt like our run defense and our linebackers in particular were not playing extremely well. It's hit me throughout the year, but it really didn't, like, truly dawn on me until later in the year, and in particular, like half an hour ago, watching the Titans game. Mm -hmm. And I realized how different the world was for Zach in 2020. And I think about it like, you know, the, like security. We had, I'll, I'll give you this example. We, every time that we go on the road, we have and you know this, Drew, we have a police escort so we can get through traffic and get to the hotel and away you go. Right. We went to Washington in 2018 and we didn't have that police escort. And it took us forever. We were start and stop and it took us forever. That was sort of the way it was for Zach. He had, in years prior, he had DJ Reader, Angelo Blackson, Brandon Dunn. He had these guys that just swallowed up blockers. Clowney, swallowed Watt, them up. Clowney, Watt. Watt, Clowney. I mean, especially the guys inside, though, for him. Yeah. They swallowed up blockers. So when a team would run outside zone, and you'd have a defensive tackle in front of him, the defensive tackle would make sure that the guard never got to Zach. So Zach could run to the ball without any interference, with no interference, and go make, and go make plays and go make tackles. He had to wade through some more trash this year, didn't he? Right. And so, yeah. But this year was a lot like that bus ride in Washington because those defensive guys up front were, A, not very good, and B, didn't play very disciplined, and C, weren't very violent. So when teams ran a play like outside zone, the guard could give just a shot on the inside defensive tackle. The center would then take that guy over on the block, and the guard was then running with a bead right on Zach Cunningham. Now Zach's got to deal with the guard. Then he's got to deal with a 250-pound running back. And that was stuff that Zach had to adapt to this year. And so when you're used to doing it one way, because of what you had in front of you, then all of a sudden you got to do it a totally different way. And the thing is, is Zach, you know, look, Zach made his mistakes. I did a tell straight the other day for game day, that 94 yard run that Henry had in week six was all about Zach just jumping in the wrong gap and trying to do something else. And so Zach did that early on, but week seven after the bye, boy, Zach started really playing the way that we expected, even in a situation where he was not being protected like he had been in years past. 
And I feel like going into the offseason, that whoever comes in as GM and the personnel staff and the coaching staff will look at that and go, wait a second, 41's pretty darn good, but there's too much trash in him, man. There's way too many people getting up to that second level. We should not have a guard on outside zone getting up to a linebacker. Our linebacker should be able to run free to the ball. So we've got to make changes on our interior to be able to do that. And I think that's coming. And I think that is going to help people see Zach in the right light. The other thought is this, Drew. There were, there, our tackling this year was atrocious. I'm not saying anything that either one of us don't already know, but it was atrocious. But there were times where Zach Cuttingham, and there were times where, where big running backs, Henry, David Montgomery's a thick dude uh, for the Bears, and others, Samaj P. Ryan, and Zach Cuttingham would just face him up and hit yeah. him in the hole. James Robinson, Jaguars. Those guys were making everybody else. He does miss. that move. Zach does that move where he, he basically just like throws them with a yeah, it's like he's and he's I don't even guy. I don't even I'll be honest, Drew, I don't even like that move. Yeah. I think that's that, you know, that I, I, I don't even like that. What I like is when a running back is trying to cut back into a hole and Zach is there and he literally just faces him up and that back goes nowhere. That back basically I saw Henry the other day just like he Zach hit him square up and Henry just kind of was like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. And it was the only time all day that that, that happened. And I've seen him do that to Henry before. And the problem is, is that Bernardrick McKinney was the other guy that could do that to him. And we didn't have BMAC from week uh, five on. Right. And Terrell did a good job, but Terrell is not built like and plays differently than BMAC. But with Zach, there's so much that you can do with Zach, but you got to protect him a little bit more. You know, he's not a quarterback. He can fend for himself. He is a physical, violent player, which you need to be at that position. And he can run, which we all know. But when you're not protected, think about it from quarterback. When quarterback's not protected, what's he going to do? He's going to run around and try and make something. Well, that's what Zach was doing. So this is what you're saying. We're going to get a couple trash cans full of rocks on the defensive interior next year. I hope so. Is that what you're saying? I hope so, man. I mean, that's the, that's the thought process that you've got to have is that they've got to be much better on the interior. And, and look, you can, you can say to your blue in the face, well, this is a passing league, right? It's a passing league. Jonathan Taylor has taken over as the star in Indianapolis, as is the offensive line. Derrick Henry is the star. You face them four times. Oh, by the way, Jacksonville, yeah, they're going to have Trevor Lawrence. He's a rookie still, or more likely going to have Trevor Lawrence. But James Robinson became the face of that offense. You got six games against Robinson, Henry, Mm -hmm. and Taylor. You better improve up front to allow Zach Cunningham to make plays, or you're going to go through another year where you're 31st and 32nd in the league against the run and winning five, six games. It's always good to talk with you, John, and we're going to get weird next week, okay? We're we're not even really going to talk Texans next week. We're going to draft a team together from – we're going to take the best – or we're going to get to take one player all time from each Mm. of the 32 teams. So – I love it. If you take uh, Dick Butkus from the Bears, you can't take Walter Payton. So you're done. So you're going to have to be uh, very judicious with what you I love this. I love this. I love this. So get those wheels spinning, all right? You got it. Later on.